It's been an incredible journey that you've had, but were there any other options? Or was it purely motorsport in your head? Or did you think, I could be an astronaut, I could be a postman? Like, was there anything else that interested you out there? I believe I have enough uh, driving skills to be a postman, so I could very quick one. I could do this job as well, but uh, of course I really targeted to be a professional driver. Uh, but my dad, obviously, he's seen that he's there every single one. Yeah, he, he loves it. He live he lives rallying, and he's always asking. He knows more behind the scenes stuff than I do, and I'm there. He's, he'll, he'll send me a text midweek saying, "Oh, have you just seen who's moved where and who's been testing where and that someone's been driving on a cart track?" And they're like, "Oh, what?" what? So he's a total fan then? Yeah, yeah, total fanboy. At Christmas when we are talking about uh, cars all the time and, and uh, one time my mother said, okay, no motorsport tonight at Christmas. And I can tell you, the, it got so quiet on the, on the dinner table. So my mother said, okay, forget it. This is boring, you know, <laughs> come on. And then it was full throttle again. Welcome to WRC Backstories our exclusive World Rally Championship podcast, presented by Bex Williams. Welcome everyone to the very latest edition of the WRC Backstories podcast. It's good to have you along. We are rapidly heading into autumn in the Northern Hemisphere and ever increasingly towards the end of the WRC season. Just three rounds remain now, Finland, Spain and Monza, which replaces Rally Japan as our finale. With the iconic Rally Finland next up, it felt natural to turn to a fin to be our feature this time. A funny flying fin at that. Miko Hirvonen has 163 WRC starts to his name and joined the WRC when the likes of McRae, Sainz, Mackinnon, Burns and Gronholm were all in full flight. With 15 wins, he delighted us, not only with his stage performances, but with his fun side and his attitude to life. Stress was never a word in Hevenen's vocabulary. But how did it all start for him? Well, that's what we're here to find out. So let's get to it. We cross out now to Finland to the place we're going to be actually next week for the WRC event. We're very much looking forward to going there and meeting some of the legends of the sport. And one of those legends, a young legend still, is on the line with me now. That is Miko Haven. And morning to you, Miko. How are you? Good morning, although it's nearly a midday. So I know you are not getting up so early and this is maybe morning for you. But, you know, I woke up so early that it's like half of the day is gone already. <laughs> Well, there is a slight time difference between us and Finland, but yeah, it is. It does feel very early here for me. How is Finland? How are you doing at the moment? It feels like ages since I've spoken to you. I'm good, thank you. I mean, uh, not a lot going on. I've been doing some rallies this year for for Kalle on the tarmac rallies to the safety crew or gravel crew. Which is it nowadays? I don't know. Safety root, crew. Root note crew, I believe. Is that oh, yeah, the correct it's the modern term? word. Yes, I know. exactly. The modern word for this. It changes all the time, uh, but, like, uh... like Super Rally changes. <laughs> it was yeah. Super Rally, then it was yeah. Rally 2. Now Rally 2 is a car. Uh, yeah, it's, we just like to confuse Everything it. changes. Yeah, I, actually, I kind of lost the track already of the new regulations. Like there's now going to be no WRC anymore. It's going to be Rally 1, Rally 2, Rally 3, Rally 4. Mm -hmm. I think that's it, maybe. Uh, but yeah, things keep keep on changing. But but anyway, I'm I'm good, thank you. I'm just uh, yeah, been had a 
nicely a lot of time just to be around around the house back home see the boys are kind of uh, doing on their hobbies and following them so so all good all good good are you ready to talk about your life so far Ah oh, yes, I can open my kind of a closet. I'll come out of the closet on this interview and <laughs> reveal the life. Wow, well, I didn't expect that. <laughs> well, well, hey, <laughs> yeah, like you said, everything changes. This might be this might be news to my wife as well. So <laughs> I think I think it might be. I think she'd be a little bit shocked, but very understanding yeah. because she's a lovely lady. <laughs> okay, let's oh. not go that far. Okay, no, let's okay. not. Let's not. Okay, let, let's let's kickstart then. And um, be, before we kind of delve into, you know, the, the childhood of Miko Haven, and I can imagine you were a complete terror as a child, I want you to describe yourself in three words. They can be individual wow, three, words. Three words. Yeah. Um, curious. Curious, um, like it. And... Uh, Sporty. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Funny. Anyway, <laughs> I think. I hope. <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon you are funny. You were definitely one of the funniest people I ever interviewed in, in the WRC service, Mark. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I like those. Those no, are good like words. Curi- curious is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, especially technical stuff and about cars and things. Like, we always had. I was really young when I started to drive cars and we always had some old cars lying around in the backyard and we, I always had a car I could draw in Rosen Lake as well. So I was always curious about the mechanical side and I was trying to work on them and I just took all the bolts off of the cars, all the, whatever I could, even though I didn't understand. But uh, also, uh, I remember I was really young. I was... Uh, kind of a taking an engine in parts. I didn't know at the time which part is, is what, so I was just drawing a picture on a little kind of a drafting book or how you call it, sketchbook. Yeah, a notebook, yeah. Yeah, a notebook about the parts and then kind of a writing that this bolt is there and this bolt is there. So I was kind of a, trying to learn already in a early age about the engine and cars. I mean, how old were you when you were, when you were doing this? I think around five, six, seven, something like this. So, so let me get this straight. You were taking apart engines or anything mechanical around the house. I bet your parents were like, where is he? Where's Miko? We haven't seen him for a while. What, what is he taking apart now? What is going to be disassembled somewhere? Yeah, but my, my, fa- my father was doing a lot of, uh, like, he used to have, um, like, uh, trucks and digging machines and so he was working on those machines all the time and cars as well so he was kind of uh, working on his cars and I was next to him with the small engine and, and a crown and just working on doing my own thing with it so we were kind of doing the same thing so he knew he knew kind of what I was up to maybe not all the time but most of the time at least. <laughs> so talk to me about you know your parents as you said he had a lot of you know diggers trucks whatever was he into motorsport where where did the car thing come from with you guys and and the love of motorsport my father has all he's been always into motorsport and he used to drive rallies in uh, uh, late 80s and beginning of 90s 
and he did kind of this autocross in Finland as well. So uh, we still have the rally car he used to use, but he only did national rallies. But it was kind of the motorsport thing was there since since the beginning of my life as well through my father. So yeah. uh, I kind of uh, catched it from there. And there was also, even though I, I was from a little village from Kannakoski, but there was a very active motoring club that they were they were arranging uh, these autocross races in Kannakoski as well. And there was two, maybe three races in the best summers in Kannakoski. And I was always there watching them. And, and sometimes my father was driving there. So... I, you know, I think that's where, where the spark kind of came. So when did you actually first get behind the wheel? When, when your feet could actually touch the pedals? Or was it a little bit before that with some, you know, uh, aids to help you? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I drove, I think maybe I was five when I drove from my father's lap. And uh, that I was steering and he was doing the pedals and then I had a, a little go-kart I drove in a frozen lake and straight away when I could reach the pedals with lots of pillows on my on my back and under the bum that I could just reach the pedals I was driving on on a lake and uh, it was quite easy like we were where my father still lives it's just next to the lake so every winter we had our own own ice track so I could just go outside go straight to the ice and start driving so Luckily, at the time, I said it's luckily that there was no really, we didn't have any computers, iPads, nothing. So you couldn't get lost in that world and you were just had to really do something. And I'm kind of really happy about that, that I had the opportunity to do, do it. Yeah, it was, I think, you know, okay, you're a little bit younger than me, only a little bit though. Uh, but that was definitely <laughs> the best time to grow up when we didn't have, you know, the other world of computers and, and the internet and you had to make your own fun. That was definitely the best time but it sounds like you had a, an incredible you know childhood the frozen lake the carting on the lake I mean that's a bit of a dream for us here in the UK nothing really freezes that well um so that sounds yeah brilliant that was I mean so much fun it was yeah and and we still keep doing it like now when my own boys are at the age that the older one is racing a little bit and younger one is now then having fun with the quad bike we are still making the ice track every winter when we can it's like now the winters are maybe not so good every year but it just you just need to do a little bit more work and you still get the track done so we still keep on doing it and uh yeah it's still as much fun as as it was back then <laughs> what about the school life though obviously that you know the motorsport and the, the motoring and the mechanical side of your brain was was well active what about the rest of it in school, though? Uh, it was not too bad. I, I was, I don't know, average, I suppose, something like this. I mean, yeah, I had my share of, uh, for any reason, staying in the school, like after the school time as well, doing kind of a, or paying the fines of the naughty stuff I did at school. Detentions. But you had lots of detentions. Detentions, <laughs> yes, yeah, that's the word. Nearly, nearly got it though, but uh, <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't that bad. And I like the like they call about the numbers and this. They were quite okay, so it was it was all good. And it was a small school every anyway, so there was you know everybody knew each other and and the little classes. So it was good times. 
really good time. I read somewhere recently that I think like the schooling system in Finland is the best in the world for obviously for teaching, but like for happiness as well. The kids are actually genuinely happy to go to school. You, you do things a lot differently than we do here, I think. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I don't know if it's the if it's the best in the world. Like sometimes when there's those kind of a votings that Finland this or UK this, I don't understand where they're all, all getting it. But but uh, but it's all right anyway. Like I'm quite happy for the schools where my children are, are right now. So uh, they are they feel safe and there's a good education there as well and, and all this. So I suppose it's all right. I, I have no complaints. So you you sound like like you say you were you kind of an average student. You you were good in school. No no complaints <laughs> apart from the detention. Were you a naughty child though, Miko? Because you know, I've interviewed you now for oh, 15, nearly 20 years, I guess. And every time I interview you, it never goes to plan. <laughs> it's always something. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay, not always, but 90% of the time you're doing something to either annoy me or annoy someone around me. <laughs> so I have this vision of I, you as a child, like really like, ah, what's he doing now? I don't know. I don't think I was that. I just even back then we we really like to do little things with friends and kind of have a bit of a laugh. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't I don't know was it ever really so bad or so terrible. At least I didn't feel like it. Maybe the teachers and you know adults at the time were feeling a little bit differently. But you know I, I felt it was just normal day at school <laughs> or whatever. You needed to have a bit of a. Uh, jokes or you know something maybe slightly naughty going around but never never nothing too bad so the dream you know going through school the dream when you kind of reached the end of it what did you want to be was it was it always going to be motorsport related or did you have a dream to be something else maybe no quite quite early it was it was my dream to to become a rally driver like uh I started then competing where in autocross when I was 15. But uh, before that, I had driven like eight or nine years already on a frozen lake every winter. And then in the summer times in the forest with my father. Mm. So straight away, like when I was 15, we started this rally team in Kannankoski called Ad Astra Racing Team. And it was it was me and then my friend Antero, he was one year older than me. And uh, like I said, even though it was very little motoring club and a small village, but it was really active. So we started this rally team already thinking that this rally team will try to help both of us to go ahead with our rally career. And uh, quite incredible that it actually then worked as well. And I was able to able to go go all the way and it's, it's really big thanks for the motoring club and all the uh, kind of a companies in, in that little village as well everybody were helping so it was uh, it was planned quite quite early and tell me how you know early it was that yeah you say 15 when you started autocross yeah 15 yes yeah yeah 
Wow. I mean, I mean, that's that is an early start, not quite as early as as the likes of Solberg and Rolf and Pera these days. You feel like they've been driving a rally car since they're no. about seven. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. But but that's you know, that's still early on. And that support from that motor club, that that sounds it, it sounds very family orientated and a small place. And that sounds like a idyllic kind of way to to get in into sport. But was the I'm trying to think of the word, the drive really from you. Did you think, okay, I've, I've watched Rally Finland. I've been to Rally Finland probably many times already during my youth and, and watched everything that's going on the, on the TV. Did you think I can actually go all the way? Was that ever a thought back then in the early days or were you just taking it as it came? Uh, it was maybe more like just a dream. I mean, of course, we tried to do things which we thought is kind of, uh, I can't say professional way, but we did, we tried to do things which we thought might help us to go further in rallying. Like, mm. for example, a little example, like in autocross, I was always uh, driving uh, rear wheel driver cars. And then when I became 18 and I was able to do rallies, as I got my driving license when I was 18, we thought that, okay, if you're ever going to go further on your rallying, career you have to learn to drive front wheel driven cars because then it's easier step to four wheel drive and so so that's what we do what we did we uh my first rally car was front wheel drive and when i entered the first rally i never driven a front wheel driven a car so in, in that way we we tried to work on and and figure out things which might help us in the career but but for sure still it, it was just a dream you never I don't think you can ever really be sure of the things that is if you can if you mm. can actually make it all the way or not. What was that first rally car? Uh, it was Opel Kadett. Kind <laughs> of a, Cadet. At the time, at, at at the time, it was called uh, Little Group N car. <laughs> but you rallied a lot with an Opel in the Finnish Championship, right? In Finnish Championship, yeah, yeah, I did. I think uh, two, uh, three, uh, three years, three years. So how so did know, it... how did you move into the Finnish Championship? How did you know that the actual rally part of your career start? It was through this uh, little team we had, like mm -hmm. uh, I think. 18 or 19 years old, I did uh, like a junior championship. It was a rallies without base notes, so kind of a, we call them as a blind rallies, that you just have a road book and, and then, then off you go. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I was living in Uvascula uh, already, I was studying in Uvascula, uh, in so I did a lot of practice on the base note side with, uh, with really experienced co-drivers who lived here as well. So started with the juniors and then uh, i think when i was 20 I, I started to do like this uh finnish championship like uh, how you call a general yeah. class in a way but in uh, but in uh, in group n in this little group and we couldn't afford any stronger bigger car anyway so then i just started with with that one and how was that experience kind of you know starting out and and getting to grips with everything it sounded like you had good advice that you were and and 
and well done for you for getting experienced co-drivers to to help you out so you're obviously very switched on back in the day <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't know uh but yeah i was i was lucky that there was uh there was kind of a Kari Jokinen and his wife Sirpa Jokinen as well who go drove go drive for me then in the Finnish championship but like I started rallying in a way that there was my cousin who was my co-driver and then I did some rallies with my sister as well mm-hmm. so it was really kind of a family thing and then we did try to work a lot on it like we did uh, Lots of evenings, I was just, we were driving around Rally Finland stages, doing pace notes, and and, and that's very important in, in Rally, in, in nowadays as well. And also the, um, like, uh, working on the cars, we were just building and maintaining the Rally car with my father. So it was, it was often I was, uh, after the school, then I worked in, uh, as a car mechanic in Yvaskula. Mm-hmm. And then... When I got out from job, I drove 100 kilometers to my hometown, work on the car in the evening, and then next morning driving back to Yvaskula again to to work as a mechanic. So in in that way, it's uh, we really had to work work for it as well. It wasn't wasn't so easy at the time. Well, no, nothing that is ever any worth is is easy to get, is it? You you've obviously put a no, huge no. amount of work in, and I've interviewed a lot of people now for these podcasts and. You know, even when I interviewed Malcolm Wilson last year, the height of the pandemic, and we went back through his his career and how he started, the amount of work he was putting in and working as a mechanic, um, you know, yeah. the stories that people come out with, you know, it's a lot of hard work. And I think that's important about this podcast is people who are listening realize it it's not magic. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't become, you know, a, a rallying superstar just on let's say on on talent alone there's a lot that goes into it yeah there's a lot of you need you need you need to repeat things a lot especially in in uh, in rallying well maybe in other motorsport as well but uh, you need a lot of experience and maybe from the motorsport side maybe rallying is the is the uh, is the sport that you need the most of experience from the base note thing as well and and uh, you have to yeah, be able to handle the car in many different kind of conditions as well. So it takes time. It takes a lot of time. But some ways it has changed. I have to say, like you spoke about Oliver Sulberg and, and Kalle Ravampere as well, that how how young they are actually getting on the level where they are now. And it's okay. They started driving really young as well. But, uh, you know, it's really incredible how quickly they've been developing on the level where they are now. Mm. Yeah, you, you say that, and then you have the contrast with Adrian Formeau, who started rallying four years ago. I mean, that's the first time uh, yeah. he ever jumped into a rally car, decided to ditch, <laughs> yeah. well, well, put his medical degree on hold, and oh, I'll have a go at this rallying game because I, I'm quite yeah. good at it, and look at where he is now. So it it's it's so different, isn't it? You know, but which, which is good. You know, it's, there's not always one path. There are different paths. Yeah, in. for sure. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's it's not only like a one format to go. Like you said, it's uh, yeah, many ways to get in there. But still, I'm I'm sure Andrew, even though he's not been driving that much, he's been needed to do quite a lot of effort on it as well. And, oh yeah, and he's had a chance to drive a lot, lot as well, on those four years, which is which is a big thing. Yeah, huge thing. Right, Finnish championship. 
what what interested me about your early career is um the Italy section of it all <laughs> the Italian championship oh, yeah. so you're in the, you're in the Finnish championship Finnish championship and then all of a sudden you're in the Italian championship and then you have a different co-driver alongside you then I know you had lots of different co-drivers over the years but Yamo Leitinen pops in at the end of one of the Finnish championship years I think it was an event you were doing together in Italy you can correct me here if no it's that's no you're correct it's uh I was doing a Finnish championship 2002 and that was kind of a we thought like uh, with with uh, with the family with my father that okay we tried to we put a lot of effort on on this year and uh it's a silly thing but it, it needed to be done like we needed to wanted to build a good car so we like uh, at least back in the day how quite a lot of rally people it, uh, you had to take a loan as well to be able to fund your rally stuff and and uh, we put everything on it and it was a year like even if I if I crashed the car that would have been it I wouldn't we would have not have money to rebuild the car anymore but everything worked worked well and I was fighting for the championship until until the last stage of the of the championship but then got a puncture and became second surprisingly like that became the theme <laughs> later on but it was uh, it was at the same time then my, my manager, Timo Jokki, he was looking for new young stars, Finnish stars, to, that he would help to, to, to uh, kind of advance into a rallying career. And uh, luckily I was able to kind of, uh, he noticed me in, uh, through the Finnish championship and then he arranged this uh, shootout with four drivers. And there was Jari Matti as well and, and Kosti Katajamäki, he was a young driver. Ah, oh, it's a name for the past, Kosti Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so at the end of 2002, we had this shootout. That went pretty well. And then, then uh, Timo Jokki said that, okay, you are seen to be kind of a promising. So he arranged me a rally in Italy, Tomac Rally, end of 2002, where we then went with uh, Jarmo Lehtinen. So that's where I met him. But I've actually I never met Jarmo before. So first time we met was at the airport in Helsinki going into this rally in Italy. Now I knew this because I interviewed Jarmo last year and he told me this that the first time you met was at the airport and he, you know, he'd heard about you in the Finnish championship, but he hadn't actually seen your face. So he had to buy a magazine <laughs> to find out what you looked like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah, that's uh, it. Was really funny in a way. Like we just had a brief phone call before, uh, before we uh, met at the airport, and then off we went straight to Italy. And I, I never been really outside Finland that much. I never driven on tarmac. I never driven Group A car. So there was lots of new things, but but uh, went well, and I met lots of. Uh, Lots of new people and and, and uh, good friends over there in Italy, and uh, somehow we were able to pull off fairly good result on, on that tarmac rally as well. And and uh, after that, then we were lucky enough that Jokki started to then support my career and and be my manager. Yeah, which that's incredible for a young driver to to have that kind of support. And that was two thousand and two, right? 
Yeah. That was so that the, was then, the, that was the first year you did rally, well, first year you did a WRC event, and that was Finland. I have to, sorry, actually, I have to correct you. It was 2001. Sorry. Yeah, that's In the true. Finnish Championship, then I still, yeah? Yes. And, and it was the end of 2001 when we did this rally in Italy. And then 2002, I was then, uh, that was the ah, first yes. full year that Timo Jorki was managing me and arranging all the rallies in Italian and uh, all over the Europe. Yeah, hold on. I'm just looking through your stats now and I can confirm this is the case. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, Memory still works just a bit. Not so sharp anymore, but yeah, you know. But come on, you've done yeah, a ridiculous it's... amount of rallies in your life to remember them all. Jeez, and exactly what year yeah. they come in. I can't. I can't remember what I did in my career back in 2002. It was probably the first year I met you, to be honest. Probably at Rally Finland. Be. Yeah, maybe... but to be honest, I'm, I have to say, I'm really bad on remembering of which rally I've done and which rally I've, like, and the results of the rallies. If I compare myself to Yari Matti, he's incredible. He remembers not only his, but nearly everybody's results and rallies all the way from, from the 80s. So he's incredible. If you need some information about rallies, just give him a call and he, he tell you the answer. What I like about him though, he, he knows like he is an encyclopedia of, of all these statistics and everything, but he'll say, you know, yeah. yes, uh, I remember it well. It was a Thursday morning. The sun was shining. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> yes. He remembers the weather conditions as well as, as yeah. the results. And you're like, wow. Yeah, he's, he is pretty incredible. Um, yeah, but I'm glad we have someone like that because you can just text him or ring him and go, Yari Matti, can you remember when? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Just ring Yari Matti. Yeah. He knows everything. He's incredible. Yeah, I, I really can't remember. I really have to think carefully if I want to have to go through of all the, for example, the victories that I have. I, I, I can't even remember those. <laughs> Luckily, nowadays we have internet and Google, or whatever, so we can find out if we need to. <laughs> yeah, thank God for that, eh? <laughs> um, talk to yeah. me about uh, about the big step up then in in two thousand and three and and into the championship. How did that happen from two thousand and two and being in the Italian championship, doing rallies at home, doing your first WRC event, and then being part of the championship the next year? That's a huge step. Yeah, it, it was. I, I'm. I, I don't think it was really a plan for Yoki either to build up my career so quickly on, on the championship level. Uh, but of course, in uh, through the 2002, I drove lots of different kind of cars and I was able to adapt fairly quickly on, on new cars. And end of the year, we did rallies with uh, WRC cars as well. I did one rally. My first ever uh, rally with WRC car was again a tarmac rally in Italy, which which we won. We actually, we were able to win every stage on, on this rally. And then we did a Cambrian rally with Subaru, with 22 Motorsports and the RAC rally as well. Or maybe it was called RAC at the time. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. But then. I think maybe, maybe it was all those. Then that, uh, with the help of, of course, Jokis connections and, uh, and good re relationship with Malcolm Wilson that he thought that, okay, I'm able to adapt fairly quickly and uh, progress was good on 2002. That's okay, maybe he, uh, he's, he negotiated me a season with, with Malcolm on, uh, on 2003 with Ford Focus. And that was quite 
quite surprised, I have to say. How did you find that year, that that whole experience of stepping into the World Championship, you know, competing against some huge names in the sport back in that year? Uh, I wouldn't say I was competing yet at the time <laughs> with those huge names, but I was supposed to. Hey, you were on the entry them. list with them. You were, <laughs> I was, you was, I was, <laughs> let's yeah, say that. You were on the entry list, list with them. <laughs> But there's like now when you look at when when I'm looking back at on the states times and starting list, it was quite it it's it's quite incredible how much there was uh, all the likes of Science and Oriol and Kankunen and Mackinen, Colleen and Burns. Uh, they were all there, and yeah. it was of course I'm really feel lucky that I was able to do the rallies at the same time, uh, but. For Sure, there was a lot of new things. Nearly all the rallies were new, new to me. I didn't have so much experience on WRC car either, but but for sure, very important year, like uh, experience-wise. And you know, it's a big thanks to Timo and, and Malcolm as well, Malcolm as well, to giving me the chance to do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, for, a, for a young driver with, I mean, you'd had quite a bit of experience before you went there, but I can still imagine it must have been like this whole kind of snow globe of wonder of of being part of a factory team back in the day and all of that yeah. all that that offered you didn't have to look after things yourself you were looked after <laughs> yeah like yeah i mean of course it was quite incredible that you suddenly you had a professional team around you who were making sure that everything is kind of a not ready for you, but they did as much as they could to make that I could all, only concentrate on, on driving and and, uh, and uh, on the job what I had to do or what I had to learn. Mm. So it was a big change, and and uh, lucky to have. Uh, I was lucky that I had a teammates Marco Martin and another youngster Francois Duval as well at the time, but but. Uh, Marco was a big help. Like I, I didn't do so much testing on that year, but for example, and I was following Marco's tests in in many of the rallies. So I just flew in early, and uh, I knew that there was no plans for me doing any testing. But quite often, Marco finished a little bit earlier to give me a chance to drive one hour, one and a half hours in the end of the tests, and uh, you know that was really really nice thing for him to do and letting me keep. To have a bit of a go as well yeah that, and that's so important uh, you know marco's a great guy and obviously you you met and, and yamo was great friends with with beef as well michael park i mean they were yeah. quite quite a partnership and and quite a a duo to learn from as well yeah they were we really had a had a nice time and kind of a for me one of the best moments were like the tests when I was following how Marco was doing, I was always having my notebook and listening what Marco was saying to the engineers. And I was writing it down on my notebook and then asking from the engineers why he's doing this and what it's on what it's affecting and on how. And, and uh, did a lot of research in a way, just writing stuff on, on my notebook. And then in the recce's as well, remember when we uh, always had those little coffee breaks Corsica once we were they had a basketball kind of a, how you call the 
not the court, but you know, where you throw the ball. The hoop. The basket. The hoop. Well, yeah, yeah, the basketball hoop. <laughs> so Marco liked to play that sometimes in the middle of the recce when we had the break. So we just attached that in behind the service truck and we were playing basketball for 10 minutes without coffee in the middle of the recce. And it was really, you know, you don't really see that anymore. So no. it's... Uh, no, you don't. It was really, we had really a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I'm not the kind of person who looks back with rose-tinted lenses. I, I think it's always important to kind of, you know, change happens, we move on. But sometimes I do look back to those days and think there was maybe a little bit more fun than there is now. It's very serious. The drivers and co-drivers are putting in, not that you didn't put in a huge amount of work back then, you did, but it feels like it's gone up a huge amount of levels these days and sometimes I want to say to them you need to enjoy this time in your life because it doesn't last yeah. that long but it, it's the whole world has changed and all the technology has changed rallying as well like we were we were uh, also filming the stages when we when we did the recce but we didn't have any videos before the rally of the stages like what the boys are having nowadays so they can start preparing the rally by watching the videos mm. even before they go and all the stages now nowadays they are recorded like the onboards are there so they can check how they drove the year before or two years ago from anyone's onboards and that's that only kind of started the gum uh, I think those years when I started so we didn't have that op opportunity, but that has changed rallying as well. That now they have a lot more material to work on before the rallies, and uh, that's one thing which has changed changed a lot along the years. Yeah. yeah, it has. So you had this great year with with M Sport with with Ford, and then you went to Subaru. It was a quick change, but only for a year. Yeah, it was a quick change, and part of the reason we had to change that it was regulation change as well like still 2003 uh, the manufacturer was allowed to score points with three cards as it is i think it's like that now as well but then they changed that it's only two cars who can score points so that kind of a took seat away from me as well from from own sport or at least we would have needed to bring money i think to to have the drive but then uh, yoki timo with his connections he was able to negotiate me a place on uh, for for subaru where then again tommy mckinnon was helping because it was the year he retired so he was helping on the negotiation as well to convince subaru to take me on board with petter sulberg so that was Quite a huge step. Uh, still, I didn't have so much ex experience, and I was kind of the number two driver next to a world champion at the time. So, you know, uh, it was a big move, but it was good to see another team as well, and it it really teached me a lot on uh, on that year as well. It must have been high pressure, though. You're alongside as a number two to, like you say, Petter Solberg, who's just won the championship in 2003. Mackinnon has retired with his golden boots at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the next Finn to step in is is a relative youngster in yourself. But the team still need you to perform. That Did you feel a lot of pressure that year? Was it 
how how was that year compared to the previous one with Ford? No, for sure it was there was more pressure in a way that it was like the manufacturer points were really only on on two cars, so it was better, of course, and uh, then then on, on me as well. And I, I don't think we were expecting so much from me, but we had kind of a plan which I was supposed to follow to de- to develop on that year, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we just tried to do the best we can, but it was quite, quite a wild year. Like I would say that Peter has calmed down a lot from how he was at the time. Like he was a, like everybody always calls him the Hollywood, like a showman. And it was a proper Hollywood year, like because he just won the championship and he was really in the peak of uh, his career and he was really young winner in the championships uh, as well. So he really took everything out of it. So it was, <laughs> it was really crazy at the time and how much he had fans coming in all the rallies as well so it was quite incredible to see but uh yeah a hard year in a way i think it was looking it looking back at it now i think it was a little bit too much for me like too soon i don't think i was ready for that but but then again uh it really teached me a lot about rally and the whole if you can say industry or the whatever you call it in a way so it did kind of uh, prepare me quite a lot for the for the coming years then yeah it, you know you, you look back at the results of, of that year and and people will say oh Miko Heaven and Subaru year Ooh. but actually the results weren't that bad <laughs> that year considering you were so young and inexperienced yeah well they were bad enough <laughs> <laughs> I think a no, lot of people was, People remember the disappointment maybe of Finland that year. Yeah, you, and yeah. That's, that's, what, that's yeah. what sticks out, I think, from that year. For me, when I look back, you know, the, the first thing that pops into my head is seeing your, you know, you, you getting out of the car after that super special stage, crashing on the super special and your head just being down and thinking, <coughs> oh, you know, you just want to give yeah. you a hug. It's like, he's too young for this. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, there was those as well, but we had some... At least in Japan and Sardinia, we had some mechanical issues as well. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there was good points as well. But like yeah. I said, it was it was a little bit too much. Or like it was only my second year in in a championship, so uh, I wasn't ready for it. I don't think at the time. No, looking at now, like Oliver and 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 Kalle, who are doing really <laughs> winning rallies in his nearly first. Well, it is. His first full season with WRC car and he's won two rallies so it's another world but uh and at the time yeah it was a difficult year for sure a lot of yeah. things happened yeah but it, it's a lot of people say oh it's character building it does shape you and it, it does like you say you learned about the industry and everything that kind of goes into what it means to be part of the WRC and what goes on behind closed doors as well all good and all bad you you learn a lot. Yeah. But then you move back I definitely to... le- learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but then you move back to, to Ford. Partial season though the next year. Yeah, then uh yeah, we didn't get a full contract with any any team for 2005. Which I think was a good thing because then there was a lot of people, of course, Jockey again pulling all the strings and finding me a drive. With the private Ford Focus, mm. but uh, that allowed me to do. We were able to prepare for all the races I did 
like a one full day of testing. And we had a kind of a Jari Vitas car we used that year and his team, his mechanics and engineers. Of course, we had the support from M-Sport. But on the testing side, we had we were able to work a lot on the car too. I, I felt like I was more free on trying things and doing setup changes and and uh, kind of uh, building own my own diff maps what I thought might work and it was really exciting a really good thing as well and gave me a big confidence boost because we were able to do very good results as well on, on that year especially on gravel rallies. Fin uh, Sorry, the uh, Sweden was a bit of a disaster. That was the first round we did. But after that, we did really good results mm. uh, with the private team. And uh, that gave me a big confidence boost that year that, you know, maybe this could actually work. Maybe I'm able to learn this and come with the level of of the, of the big names. I mean, it's interesting because we've seen over the years now, and especially with, with two big names now, with, with Oit and with Elvin, who've been part of a works team and then been dropped from the works team and had to come back into it in, in different ways. And I know for, I remember seeing Oitanak at Rally Estonia, like the year after he'd, you know, Malcolm had said, you know, there's the door, out you go. And he was yeah. doing rallies at home. He was mechanicking at home on rallies and he didn't know whether he would be back. But he was like, I, you know, I, I hope I will. Sometimes it, it's good to take a bit of it. Not that you took a massive backward step. You were still majorly rallying, but you weren't part of a manufacturer. Yeah, but maybe, you weren't part of that outfit. Sometimes it's good to come go back to move forward. Yeah, I think mentally, in a way, it makes you stronger as well. If you if you still have this faith on yourself, if you shoot, if you are want to go forward and you want to reach your dreams, no matter what happens, you you should still believe in yourself and just push forward yeah and those kind of setbacks maybe makes you want it even more like once you got the confidence and you kind of have a this little peak that yes i can do this and then life hits you in the face and you're kind of falling backwards but that just makes you want it wanting it even more so those are good lessons in life in a way kind of uh, makes you in stronger some ways yeah, I think so. I completely agree with you. You know, you spent many, many years then back with with Ford, with M Sport, with Malcolm. But you know, we won't talk about each individual year. Let's talk about it as a group because you got back into the team, and that was a great thing. And two thousand six was an amazing year with you and Marcus. Tell me what it felt like though to go back to the team, you know, having that confidence build in two thousand and five then going back into the team as then, you know, number two to Marcus Gronholm, who I'm sure was, you know, one of your many heroes. What did that feel? Yeah, like? definitely. It was really like going back home, really like the whole already 2003, like uh, for me, Malcolm and, and Elaine, for me, the, the atmosphere in the team is so, it doesn't feel like it's a big rally team. It's like this little team like what we had when I was 17 or 18, 19, this little, only little village with our little rally team. And it was, uh, I can't find the right word for this, uh, but like, it was like being home in a way. And, and uh, it felt really good. I knew 
all the mechanics nearly there already and all the engineers and and uh, it felt so good to be back there and uh, you know Ford was putting more effort on it as well there was Marcus coming and the rules changed that there was new WC cars coming as well so everything was looking really really good I was really happy about that to, to be to be back there so you mentioned you know that the family atmosphere that that Ford the M Sport brought to you with Malcolm and Elaine and I remember Malcolm kind of saying you you felt like a second son uh, to him you had such <laughs> yes. a good relationship with with Malcolm why do you think that was uh I don't know I think I don't know somehow we we just kind of I suppose connected in a way like knew I knew what I needed to do and, and Malcolm knew that as well and and I suppose to follow to those ideas really well in a way and and uh, I suppose it helped that I don't think I was crashing so much or destroying them that much either which make made Malcolm happy but we were always open to each other and always spoke about things uh, kind of a, what to expect and how to do things yeah so I think you know chemistry in a way together always always have been it was great to watch your relationship over the years um just talk to me about, I mentioned 2006 was was a great year. That was the Manufacturers' Championship winning year, um, which was spectacular for, for both you, Marcus, and, of course, the team. A, a huge thing to be part of, I would have thought, in terms of, of the feeling you get from that. It was, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we had a great year as well. We were, I was able to, especially in the end of the year, I was able to score podiums fairly regularly as well and Marcus just kept on winning rallies and uh, you know Malcolm and, and the whole team they've been they'd been reaching the championship for so many years but never got it and uh, finally the dream for the team became true as became true as well it was fantastic it was really fantastic you mentioned podiums. You got your first win in 2006, not just podiums. You're oh, yeah, top. yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> top step of the podium at Rally Australia. That was, you know, a great moment for you, for your for your whole crew, your whole mechanic crew, I remember celebrating massively. But what I remember, what I take away from that Rally Australia that year, obviously there was, there was a battle between Gronholm and Loeb in the championship itself. But you, as you know, as part of obviously the championship winning year, you had your job to do as well. But you were so relaxed for the entire rally, even when you were in the position to to win the event. You 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 seemed the most calm driver within the whole service park. You even popped into our radio studio, which was next door to Ford at the time, and were you know wanted to put us on air. You were playing with all the faders. You were on air. You were driving the station at one point. That's did how I? Relax. Yes, you did. <laughs> oh, we were a bit like, okay. what's he? What's he doing? You just came in and you were like, oh, can I have a bit of a play around? And why we let you, I don't know, but we did. <laughs> and it was you were only in there for a couple of minutes, and then you were gone again. But it's like this guy's leading the rally. What's going on here? He's so relaxed. Yeah, well, that that's maybe. Yeah, I've been always pretty good on, on that, and not stressing about anything really in life. Mm. Uh, maybe that kind of paid off in in rally side as well. But, but for sure, you know, the team was really good. They were doing a good job, and and uh, it was one of the first years that I got 
lot of testing as well. So that all helps. It builds up your confidence and you know exactly how the car is reacting and how it's working. So all that helps. But, but yeah, and always being pretty laid back. So what's the distress you lead in the rally? So everybody else should be stressing about it. Exactly. That's definitely the way of thinking. You know, I was I was thinking about you the other day. You popped into my head when we were at the Acropolis rally because at WRC TV we have this amazing table which is full of sweets, sugar, chocolate. And it's it's the naughty table, really, because everyone just kind of heads <laughs> yeah. there when they need some sugar, which you need a lot of during a rally. Um, and there was a bowl full of chocolate bars and in amongst the chocolate bars was a lion bar. And you just popped into my head straight away because your car controller used to put in when they wanted you to go a little bit faster on the stages. They used to put a lion bar in your car. Where did that come from? Tell me about that. You know, I don't remember how it started, but uh, I have to say the whole through my Ford career since 2003, I had a, the same head mechanic, Keith Adelard, and we had a, such a good time together over the years. Mm. And uh, then actually then from 2006 onwards, I had the same engineer as well, Tom Fowler, who is now the head engineer at, at Toyota. But uh, you, don't, you don't even think of them as uh, work colleagues in a way. It's just friends, you know, doing stuff with friends working for the same goal in a way. And the lion bar thing, I don't know how that happened because like we were doing little tricks to each other all the time, like winding each other up one way or, or another. And uh, the lion bar thing, I don't know how it started, but yeah, they used to kind of put me a lion bar in a car when I left the service <laughs> to have uh, something to nibble on the road section and uh, hopefully they could see it on the stage times as well. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. You mentioned Tom Fowler there, though, who was your engineer for a good number of years. And and yeah, now the head of engineering is the technical director at, at Toyota. So, you know, he's the, the big cheese now. But, you know, back in the day, he was your engineer. You were having a lot of fun together. You had a special nickname for Tom, yes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember we once spoke about this in some video you were asking uh, about this early and Tom was there as well and he was kind of disappointed as why do you have to bring it up <laughs> this nickname but I had a lot of nickname, nicknames for him but he was uh, Mr. Simple quite often I called him and <laughs> it's one of my favorite nicknames Mr. <laughs> Mr. Simple <laughs> yeah and you know that just started on one test where where I was asking to do some changes on the car and Tom just replied that, yeah, that's a fairly simple thing to do so I can do it. And I just said, well, thank God it's simple because I would not ask you to do anything complicated. So from that, the whole thing started. I just kept calling him the Mr. Simple ever since. <laughs> that's brilliant though. And, and you two had a, a, you know, a great working relationship because I, you know, I, he was obviously a little bit older than you were, but everyone was relatively young. So there was no kind of, apart from Christian Lorio, who was obviously calling the ultimate shots in terms of engineering, everyone was kind of of the same age within those crews, which was nice. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was really nice. Sorry, just got in my head. Did you say that he's older than me? Oh, 
Is he younger than you? <laughs> is he? <clears throat> I well, actually, I start to think about it. I think he is. Oh, do you know what? Do you know what? I'm, I'm actually <laughs> blushing now because I think he, he. I think he might be younger than you. <gasps> oh well. Well, I, I you know, say I'm it. happy. I, that, I'm, I'm happy that we, are, you know, giving the idea to the world now that actually Tom is older than me. So I'm sorry, Tom. From now on, you're older than me. Sounds about right. Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. Oh, God, I'm not going to live that one down very, uh, very easily. You're going to edit that bit out. From the whole. Yeah, yeah. Quick, quick cut here and there. No one will notice. Yeah. Um, t- tell me about your favourite memory then of the Ford years, because you grew as a driver massively. I mean, you were fighting for championships with Sebastian Loeb. You joked earlier on that, you know, coming second was seemed to be a bit of a theme in, in your career. But okay, you never beat him, but my God, the battles were brilliant between you. Yeah, we had some uh, great fights. And uh, yeah, damn, he was quite often just a bit faster, I have to say. But it was, you know, we, we, we really did our best. And there's, you know, some rallies like, uh, I don't even remember the year, surprisingly. <laughs> but rally New Zealand, like I know I was first car on the road. I was leading the championship at the time, and I remember kind of a bit like that. Like it was a dry conditions. I was I needed to clean the road, and the speed was something incredible. And uh, of course, it was so difficult. Then Seb was the second car, and he had a little advantage of the road cleaning and. Uh, but the speed we were doing was just in- incredible, like mm. I said. But it's funny, I remember bits like that from here and there, like how how intense the fight was. Yeah, I, I uh, mean, I, I loved reporting on, on your battles and you know, the battles on the rallies, the battles for the championship, ultimately. Uh, and it, it, it was it was thrilling time, Some, you know, we went through a period, didn't we, really, within the WRC, where it was literally Ford and Citroen against each other. It was just those two teams. And then that rivalry seemed to be so, so much more intense. It was incredible. Um, but I, I loved watching it all, reporting on it all. For you, though, be, being part of it, what was the highlight of it for you? Uh, well... What's it as? I mean, of course, there were those good fights where we were able to beat Sebastian as, as well. And, uh, you know, the really big highlight, unfortunately, that never came. But, but just to be able to challenge Seb for the championship, you yeah. know, that was a big thing. And, uh, but, but there was like always. When we went into certain rallies, we knew that on this rally we're going to be stronger. That our car is is better in, uh, for example, in uh, in really rough, rutted conditions, and we were then able to fight against them. But uh, you know, you you kind of surprised me with the question. Like I said, the biggest thing never came, but but I still feel really proud that I was able to challenge him and, and put him in the not maybe against the wall, but you know, giving the fight anyway until the last rallies for the championship. I think you did put and him I, against I, the wall, personally. I, I think you did. Look, looking <clears> back, you did. You know, you were always the one who was pushing him the hardest. 
out there and yeah, you yeah. almost got the championship. Yeah, one bloody point. You almost yeah, got it. Yeah, one, one point. But I also I knew that like uh, in some rallies he was clearly going to be the, not clearly, but he was going to be the, the stronger one in a way. So like my approach and maybe my strongest point always was the consistency. Mm. And I knew that. And I was quite often relying on that one. That, okay, then I'm just going to get the points what I can and uh, and just keep the championship fight alive through that. Yeah. And uh, many times that helped me. And then the, when there was a chance to fight for the title, uh, for the championship, uh, not the championship, for the rally, victory in the rally, you know, we gave it everything we could. And luckily we were able to some of the victories as well. Yeah. I mean, it was brilliant times to, to look back on. Do you, and I think I know the answer to this question before I'm even going to ask it, but do you have any regrets about that time at all? I'm guessing no, you're going to say no. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't. I mean, of course, then it was really, you know, heartbreaking that I was not able to get the title when that year I lost it by one point. It was it 2011? Mm. We were fighting of it until the last trolley and it didn't work out that year either but but that, yeah it was it was annoying at the time but now i don't you know i'm proud of what, what i've done in a way and i feel happy about the career so i don't think i don't believe i would be anywhere else than where i'm right now even if i would won the championship or won those rallies so yeah yeah you know, it's just it's just good memories anyway that and that's good and i i remember that you know the one point year it was Rally GB that was was closing it, and what I'm sure that it it was this year. But you're going to have to correct me now if I've got this wrong, because both our memories I think need a bit of attention. <laughs> yeah. was, was was that the year that the bonnet popped open on maybe one of the final on the final loop of stages? Even could have been the final stage. I can't quite remember, but your bonnet pins weren't securely fastened. Your bonnet came up. But before it popped up, you were actually quite a bit quicker than Loeb. In fact, in my head, you were 6.6 .6 seconds quicker than Loeb. I can't believe I remember this stuff. Why can't I remember other good things? Just numbers. I always remember numbers. Well, that, I don't that, remember that stuff. <laughs> but that 6.6 .6 would have then put you kind of, you know, he was 6.6 .6 ahead of you, I think, on the event. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, he's, he's even with him. He could go into the lead here and then your bonnet popped open. Was that the rally, the one that, you know, the championship where, which was lost out by one point? Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't remember it was exactly that close because... It was, it was. Seba Just trust no, me. it was not, but it was getting closer because I was maybe 25 seconds behind. But uh, Sebastian had a small issue with the turbo and there was three stages to go and I started to catch up. And uh, right. it was going to get very close. And because of his problem, and there was still two stages to go, there was a chance that I might be able to catch him and maybe fight for the title. So that was also the reason that I really gave it all on the second last stage. And over this jump and on the landing, the pins just came off from the left side of the, of the bonnet. And uh, yeah, luckily, it, well, unfortunately, then, you know, the hinges of the bonnet were not strong enough and it was really high speed state. So 
couple of kilometers further, the hinges broke and the bonnet came open. So that was end of the fight. But, you know, there was a slight chance because of Steph's problem that we might have been able to fight for it. But... But okay, didn't happen. Didn't it happen did. that time either. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't happen. Do you know what? Do you know that six point six that's in my head? I know exactly where that was, and it wasn't obviously GB because you're right. It was more time, but it was when you got your first podium in Spain. Was your first podium in Spain? Oh yeah, it was there exactly. It, it yeah, was, that's it correct. Was that. I remember it was that. that. Yeah. Yeah. See, our memories are kind of working in a way. You remember <laughs> yeah, that Seb of. had a turbo issue. We're kind of getting there. It might take us a few more years to get it all exactly right, but, but yeah. <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> Do you know, I remember interviewing you at that GB, um, and we were I was interviewing you for radio, and we were filming with Ford at the time, and it was like, I, I, you know, I didn't know quite what, what to say to you because I knew you'd be obviously heartbroken, disappointed, what what do I say? And I remember being blown away by the way you handled the whole situation, which is it just sums you up. You you know, it didn't happen, but you know that that's life kind of situation. We've had a great year, but it hasn't happened. It you know I I expected to find you really down in the dumps and in your boots, and that wasn't the case at all. Not in front of a camera anyway. Maybe you know you went back into the into the truck kicked a few things and punched a wall <laughs> I, I don't know but you know for everyone you were the philosophical Miko Hirvinen who's always got a smile on his face really and that's kind of what summed you up as a competitor in my mind anyway you've you always look on the the bright side of everything which is how life should be yeah and yeah you've kind of got uh, to move forward in a way that's happened you can't change that anymore and it could be a bummer but but hey, you got to go forward and look for the next thing. So no matter how much you worry about it or be upset or angry about it, it's not going to change it anymore. <laughs> no, so that's true. Just but... have to wait for the next test and next rally and then you start again. One thing that did change, though, and I, I, I kind of I wonder if you ever thought that you would, after years of competing against Sebastian Loeb, <laughs> end up in the same team as him. I mean, that was that was quite a change to go from Ford to Citroen and be Loeb's teammate. A big change for you to leave behind Malcolm and that family atmosphere and completely change code. And effectively, from their eyes, go to the enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can't beat them, join them. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> Brilliant. But it was a big change. And uh, for sure, the whole team was the way they were working was was different and even like the idea of how they designed a rally car was was different than at Ford and it was uh, exciting to see that how much different approach they had for the for the whole thing and and uh, like of the idea of the rally car about how how they were thinking of the weight distribution and and uh, and uh, yeah making the whole car around it so it was quite a big change but a good one. It was really, I was really happy to to get in the same team with, with Seb and and uh, like I always been respecting him. Like he's never, even after all those titles, he's always at his feet on the ground and never took anything granted in the way. Even though if he he had five or seven titles already or whatever it was, but still he approached approached every rally like it was the first one he's gonna win. Yeah, and that was quite 
quite incredible to to work with him. And we had a good good year. It was really really good strong year, 2012 with Citroen. So, uh, I, I'm, happy I'm days. Like, yeah, and I could see that. You know, there was quite a few times I'd pop into the service area at the end of a day, and you, Seb, Danos, and and Yama would all be sitting down to dinner together. And you know, there's a lot of laughing. You're obviously enjoying yourself there. You felt, you know, very much part of the team. Which, you know, maybe you know, a lot of us thought out going from from such a you know tight knit team that you were in with Ford to then going into Citroen and in with the French and you you, you know you're, you're a Finn you didn't speak French although yeah. you, you did eventually some bits of it <laughs> yeah, know, eventually, would, <laughs> would they accept you in you know would, would you still be given the, the, the same kind of respect that Loeb was given but you, it just seemed to adapt really well then I think maybe that's a lot to do with your personality yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, and I also like I never had any kind of beef or arguments with Lerp anyway, even though we had close fights. But that's part of rolling as well. It's not like it's just against time. We are not uh, yeah. pushing each other off the road like they are doing in Formula One nowadays, or more often than others. <laughs> so uh, it, in that way, it was easy to go, and it's 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 a professional team as well. And I was. Maybe a little bit surprised how much uh, responsibility I got from the developing the car as well in tests as well, and I was giving quite quite free hands to do my thing and change the car, especially in faster rallies. I did change the car quite a lot yeah. to my liking, and uh, you know that was nice to see. It was really really easy to work there as well. Good. Although it looked like it, it did. Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course, you know, I, I got to get to know all the people and all the engineers, and you know, so that was that was a new thing. It took some time, but still, you know, had a they were really really prof- professionals as well, working in different ways. I was surprised on testing when we suddenly had a one-hour lunch break in the middle, middle of the day with cheese fondue and a nice bit of wine. So that was a little bit different than the time sport, but uh, you know. It was good, good to see that side as well. <laughs> uh, be- before we move on, you know, you you went, but you, you spent another year at Citroen. After that, you went back then to end your career effectively, or your WRC career, with with M Sport. But how did Malcolm react to the news that you were going to move to Citroen? How did he take that? Uh, it was a sad thing, I think, in a way, for both of us. I remember we were both in tears when we kind of uh, spoke about it. But uh, I felt like it's something I had to do. I, I kind of had to get a little bit of a new start, a new kind of environment, environment in a way around me. And uh, kind of felt like there, if, if there was anything new to learn or something new to aim for, I felt like I had to kind of maybe jump into another thing. And of course I thought, it would be a great opportunity later on then to fight for the championship as well, as, as Citroen had won it so many times that I thought, of, okay, you know, let's let's try try something new and get a fresh start and, and kind of get more motivation again as well when you go into a new team. Yeah. 
like I said, you went back to M Sport for the final WRC year. Did you know at the start of 2014 that that was going to be your last year? Not at the start, no. I was not thinking, thinking about it like that straight away at the beginning. But but then uh, after Rally Finland, I had made my decision already. Then I, I kind of uh, spoke with Timo Jouki and I said that I think I really have a strong feeling that this is, this is going to be the last one that he doesn't need to try to negotiate anything further with anyone. I think uh, I had made my decision already yeah. uh, in the summer of that, of that year. I mean, that's a, it's a big decision to make, to, to step back from the WRC side of your career when everything was still you know, going so well and you were still highly competitive. What, was the, what, what, what led to the decision, Mikko? What made you think... I? I just don't want to do this anymore. Well, you just have to kind of uh, um, how again. Sorry, you saw it. It's it's maybe not the memory which we are losing, but it's the ability to talk as well and forgetting the words. <laughs> I, I haven't got to that stage yet, but it might come. Yeah. But yeah, you're a bit older than yeah. me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you had to admit, like, it started to be a bit like when, when I was going to the rallies, it was more like, oh, damn, I need to pack my bags and I had to go again and I leave. I have to leave my boys behind. So I started to realize that, you know, just right there, you are losing the first tenth of the seconds already when you are not as motivated as your competitors are. Yeah. That you are not so happy anymore to go and travel and pack your stuff. So, you know, I started to talk about it, that it's, it's not really fair for the team, for the goal driver, for anyone really around you. And, and uh, I thought, well, you know, actually, I'm quite happy now to just stop here, stay home and, and uh, spend more time with the boys while they are still young and uh, they are growing up and be more part of their lives. Yeah, it was and, an, uh, an understandable decision. I, I remember watching... Um, you know your your final video because um, you you spent you know the years <laughs> a I was filming with you with with Ford and then b you were making your own videos your travel log videos which were amazing but <laughs> I love those we'll talk about those in a moment but your your final video where you know you're, you're pretty much saying goodbye to everyone and you're in your your classic car and you you move the 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 rear view mirror and in the back seat to your boys and you know you've got different priorities now it was like right okay I completely understand why he doesn't want to do this anymore because you know life changes we all change as, as we grow older and priorities move and and you're right if you if you're feeling like that about going to events and oh yeah God, another event don't want to pack don't want to do this then yeah maybe it is time to to rethink it and you did and I think that's an extremely brave thing to do because a lot of people stick around for a long long time but you made that decision and you were gone it was like yeah. adios sayonara i'm out of here catch you later amazing yeah yeah and it's i've been really enjoying my life and it, it's been really ever since it's been fairly normal life like cutting the grass cleaning the snow playing with the boys but you know i love it i really don't have any regrets in the way and I, I think it was definitely the right choice to do yeah and uh you know like when you're fighting at the top level it really kind of needs to be the most important thing in your life 
and and for me it it didn't change straight away but then when you have children you know pretty soon you notice that actually this is just rally there's more important things in life than going flat out in the forest so but yeah. but okay as well everybody have their own view of things you know it's it's maybe not the same thing for everybody but but for me that's how I felt and you know that was my choice has there been any moment over the years since where you've had the you know the the kind of tickling your tummy of wanting to go back and maybe just do a round or has there not because you know you have been competing not a lot but you you have been keeping you know the the kind of I suppose your appetite kind of sated by doing some rallies but has there been any motivation at all to to come back and do a WRC event or not uh there's never been a thing like a moment that I've kind of wanted to be back in the whole thing like committing for the full championship or doing a lot of rallies I I never felt like I want to be back in the circus again in a way I mean uh, sometimes yeah there's a thought like for example, when I've been doing safety crew for Kalle and you are going through the stages, you feel like, ah, oh, this would be nice to go and do this this race. But it's always just about, you know, one event. And then again, the fun part of it now, when I've been doing them, it's really just to enjoy and have a good time. So it really doesn't matter how the, those rallies are going, what I do now, you know, it's just to have fun. Yeah. And uh, there's no pressure about the schedule or timing. I can do a rally if I feel like it. And if I don't feel like it, I don't have to do it. So, you know, it's it's a perfect setup as it is now. So, yeah, I, it's, it sounds perfect. I like it. It's it's a good yeah. it's a good way of life. <laughs> Talk to me about being, though, you know, you, you are still part of the WRC, as you mentioned, because you are route note crew, safety crew, gravel crew, wherever you want to call it, for, yeah. for, for Calais, which, and, and you've done it for Craig Breen as well, haven't you, in the past few years? Have you done? You yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, um, I did, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not just imagining that <laughs> that did happen, but you know <laughs> that that's quite a it's it's a big job in itself. It's early starts. It's a lot of responsibility um, in itself doing that job, especially at at rallies like the Monty. Um, so you're putting yourself back in a kind of high pressure environment in a way to to get that right. Yeah, it is. Uh, but I like it somehow. I really like that job uh and I, I, like i always liked doing notes as well and uh doing the recce's and fine-tuning your notes i really enjoyed it yeah. and i'm kind of a back in that process again although it's not my notes but I'm, I'm i was learning greg's notes and sometimes trying to talk about how to fine-tune them making it even better better and now it's the same thing with uh, with color as well and uh yeah, it's early starts, but what I like about it in a way that we can be up there in the mountains. We don't need to be in the middle of the hassle in the service park and <laughs> in the middle of big crowds and all the people. We can be up there in the stages, doing all the stages in the rally. And and, uh, and of course, it's an important job and you need to be so precise and concentrated to mark everything. But it's it's I still find it quite relaxed. In a way, it's uh, it's a fun fun thing to do. What have you thought of um, Calais' rise in the past? Well, year and a half, really. Um, oh, not even that. I mean, we didn't have that many rallies last year and a very strange season. But 
Calais just been incredible this year. And that win in Acropolis, it, he seemed to appreciate that maybe more than the win in Estonia, where he was maybe expected to get a good result because he'd had experience on the Estonian roads when he was a bit younger and the Acropolis win he absolutely delighted at. What's it like to watch you know, a Finnish youngster like that really, really achieve? Uh, well, it's it's fantastic. It's, it's And he is really incredible. Uh, like... Uh, like the, the the harder the the fight is, or the tougher the situation, the cooler he seems to be in a way. And that's that's really one of his, for me, his strongest point. There's not going to be a fight or or kind of a battle where he starts to kind of stress about it. I mean, of course, he might be a little bit nervous, but he he's just able to be, perform even better. The harder the fight is going to be, and. Uh, I, I kind of see that's that's a really good sign in a way for his future. And uh, he hasn't done so much rally in the WRC, but already been at the level that, you know, soon he's able to challenge, I believe, in, in all the rallies for the victory. And uh, that's quite incredible for his age. It's really, uh, he's surprisingly mature already. <laughs> he is. He very much is. It's... Shocking. He's not even 21 yet. He's going to be 21 next week. First day of Rally Finland is his 21st birthday. And he's achieved yeah. too much before. It's, yeah. I don't want to think about how young he is, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's quite, yeah, true. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Move on. Move yeah, on. Let's next move on. Uh, subject. <laughs> <laughs> next subject. And I will let you go soon, I promise you. Um, but I just want to talk about the kind of the media side to your career and the whole... The videos that we just referenced, your travelogue videos, which, you know, oh, I'm yeah. sure that they are still up on YouTube. I'm guessing they are because I, I saw one last year. So if you want to look for them, you know, Miko Hirvonen's travelogue <laughs> days, that they're there on YouTube. And it was basically you filming how you got, well, not you filming, but the story was how you got from one rally to another. And it was always some elaborate getup, like you'd be swimming to rally Sardinia or, you, you know, Yarmo would always have the easy way of getting to every event and you would have the hard way of, of getting yeah. to events. And they were so funny to watch and so much went into the making of them. Uh, what, you know, where did the idea come from and how much did you enjoy doing them? Oh, it was, uh, it was fantastic on doing them. And of course the, uh, Quite often the good ideas or the silly ideas, they're just when you're having a peer in a sauna. Yeah. And uh, we were just having a joke about it. That, yeah, that would be fun to film this and that. And the first video we made was uh, from Sweden to Mexico. And we were just having a night, kind of an evening uh, at, my, at my place. Or oh, not in my place, but in Finland. And uh, we thought, okay, let's just go and do a bit of a filming like this. So we just went into the closed field. We made the sign where it said Mexico, and I was just started to walk in the deep snow in the field. <laughs> That's how it started. But then we just started to get bigger and bigger ideas, and and uh, kind of the things got out of hand at some point a little bit, where we were renting little airports and planes for Raleigh Finland, and we were traveling to Germany for one day doing filming uh for one of the videos and and uh but it, it started to be a little bit too much like by the end of the year we were kind of running out of ideas of how are we going to able to top this up 
and it started to be a little bit too much, but, but we had such a good laugh of doing them anyway. <laughs> and they were so much fun to watch and like special effects came into play as well with, was it the, I can't remember if it was Rally France in the castle and you were all in different costumes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was just, it did just get, as you say, it got bigger and bigger and bigger until it was like, it's all about these travelogues and not about the rally anymore. It's all about <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. happening in the video right now. But they're definitely great to look back on. And it's, a, you know, a fun, fun thing to do. And I think the fans really appreciated them. They were a, a lot of fun to watch. But you've always been a bit of a natural in front of the camera. You don't seem to get phased or you're not shy. Certainly shy is definitely not a word I would ever use. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is but a good it, it's thing. like. Yeah, I can't say that I really, I really don't know what I'm doing, but somehow just, you know, put the camera rolling and we just mess around. <laughs> and that's how it ended up looking. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but it was a lot of kind of outtakes as well as like the, when the things didn't work out and we would just burst out laughing. But that was one thing we were kind of doing it as well. We, we just had a good time. Yeah, I think my favorite videos when we were working with you filming with the Ford project and we did, you know, videos every single rally my favorite ones were the outtake videos we did at the end of the year because they were always yeah, yeah. The, the most <laughs> yeah. fun to make and you know showed exactly what what things were like behind the scenes now, in the past week or so we we've seen the most amazing video come out from from rally finland with all the finnish legends together um i when i watched the video i i was you know it gave me goosebumps to see everyone together all the drivers all the co-drivers and it was funny i was laughing there were you know it was a little emotional moment at the end of the video with with a car of hanny mikola and it was just so so good and you know everyone needs to watch it who's listening right now just head to rally finland social media and the wrc social media because it's everywhere you were part of that in your fun role <laughs> as you normally yeah, are yeah we needed to have our twist <laughs> Tell me what it was like to be part of that, to have pretty much everyone together. I know there were a few names missing and it's, it is very difficult to get everyone together on a, on a certain day of the year, but the majority of the Finnish legends were right there. That was incredible. It was, yeah. I mean, uh, we knew when, when this started to happen and, and uh, they were starting to organize it. I mean, we knew that it's going to be nearly impossible to get everybody involved in the same place, in the, in the same time. But, you know, we were lucky to be as many anyway. And I, it was really nice to be part of it. And, but I still, we were speaking this little bit with Esa-Pekka and Jari-Matti and, and me, that we were, we didn't really feel like the legends in a way. We were, we were the little kids who were listening to stories like Timo Salonen and Markku Allen and Ari Vatanen and, and Simo Lampinen. And Marcus as well. It's, you know, the stories they have, it's, uh, it's incredible. And it was so nice to see when there was, uh, when we were starting the filming and it was Timo Salonen and, and Marco Allen sitting next to each other. Mm. That was like, like 40 years ago. They started straight away about like funny arguments that that's why you won the rally because I let you win and you did this and I was quicker there. <laughs> it was like, like it was rallying all over again. They were fighting each other. It was, it was really fantastic. And it was really, really a great day to, to see everybody there. 
yeah it's it's such a good idea though to have everyone together and and to do that kind of thing uh it's just i i think it's you know it's very special finland has such such a strong rallying wrc connection and to see all of those incredible drivers and co-drivers together like i say it, gave, it really did give me goosebumps but also made me then desperate to get to a vascular for the rally to start because yeah, I'm, sure, I'm yeah. sure we're going to see a lot of them hopefully next week as well and yeah i mean rally finland is is huge it's always been and i you know have no qualms in saying it's always been my favorite event on the championship calendar for for many many reasons but now it's all going to be a bit different next week because it's it's autumn time it's going to be a bit colder it's going to be a bit slippery out there it's going to be completely yeah different. it could be it could be everything it might be a you know a little bit dark in the evening i think some of some of the <clears throat> stages might be just at the time where the sun is going down now already mm. and uh annoying time to drive in a way the lights are not really helping yet but it's not going to be daylight either and uh you know unfortunately for all the fans like finland finland is known that it's nearly 24 hours daylight well not going to happen now it's uh, it's going to get dark after after eight o'clock 8 30 something like this and uh but yeah it could be anything like there's snow already in lapland not quite yet in, in the vascular area, though, but uh, it's quite cold. It's around nine degrees during the day, two or three degrees over the night. And uh, could be wet and damp for sure and cold wind. So uh, not like we are used to in a way, but this is how rally was, how rally Finland used to be. It was in autumn, later in the year. So yeah. uh, in that way, we are back in the back in the origin in a way after rally time quick question on the conditions there though which is not normally what we talk about in these podcasts at all but you know the fact okay we've had rain on rally finlands over the years when, when we've been there in, in july august but it's a bit different now with with the the leaves falling off the trees and would it be you know if if, if we get damp conditions there during the days could it be as inconsistent in terms of grip as gb and that slippery stuff that we see in GB that no one can really describe on the surface of the stages, or would it not no. get like that? No, no, it's it's not like that. Like the surface of the road is is totally different in Finland than what is in in GB. So uh, the grip, no matter what it's going to be, the grip is going to be fairly consistent. And if it's a little bit damp, uh, it's not going to be so bad to be first or second or third car on the road either. So uh, we still have to see if it rains before the rally or not. Like at the moment, it's just a little bit damp, but it hasn't been raining that much recently. Okay. Uh, but, you know, grip is going to be consistent, consistent, no matter what happens really, unless, unless it's really pouring down. But I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, hold off on the rain. And if you can hold off on the snow as well, that will be great. Because, yeah, get, <laughs> yeah. You, don't get, you don't get snow this early though, right? Well, who knows what's going to happen? I don't. I don't think so. Like I said, it's up in the Lapland now. There's been some snow, but I don't think it's going to happen next week anyway. Okay, so fair I think enough. We are clear. We are clear from that. Before I let you go, there's one person we haven't. Well, there's lots of people we haven't talked about in your career, but one who's been there for. And you mentioned him at the start when you were doing your shootout, Yari Matti Latvala. 
you know, you've kind of been together for so, so many years as teammates, as friends. And now, you know, he leaves his his WRC career behind behind the wheel, of course, to to move into position as team boss of Toyota, which is is a move that surprised every single one of us when it was announced last December. What do you think of what he's done so far? And did you ever imagine you'd see him as part of the team in this kind of way? And no, it was a surprise, I have to say, uh, to see him in, in that position. I mean, uh, I mean, so quickly, I would say. Yeah. Uh, it's straight away after rallying career, just straight on to, to be a team leader, the team boss. But he's done a fantastic job, really. Like, he's kind of a... Like he spoke to me that he kind of uh, found his place and understood his position in a way. And but he's been just able to to make the atmosphere even better inside the team. You know, he just goes yeah. to talk to everybody and and uh, and uh, and he's a perfect image for for Toyota as well because he will never ever say it doesn't matter how rallies are going. I don't think he would ever say a bad thing about about any person or the team or the car and he will always find the positive positive thing out of everything and uh, he's really supportive in a way and, and through that he's been able to make the atmosphere even even better than what it what it, ha- it has been i think what was he like as a teammate going through the four years together with him <laughs> he was really, well he was really really young i mean and all he knew was driving cars flat out that's all he'd done through his through his life so uh you know we had uh, we had really good times with with Yari Matti as well like somehow he was he was so young when he came you sometimes felt that he hasn't really seen any life outside rallying but you know that sometimes led into a really funny situation as well but uh like? you know we had good times and he was <laughs> not gonna go into well you know you know, so odd thing. Once really early, I don't know why he was. It was just after the test, and uh, I, I told Yarimati this not so long time ago. He didn't remember it, but like really odd thing. After the test, he was. Uh, we had a motor home. He was changing his clothes, and he couldn't find his jeans anywhere. He was like, "Where did I? Where are they? I need to get changed." And then suddenly, he just went microwave. I was like, well, why did you put them in a the microwave? Yeah, but hey, there they were. He found his jeans. I don't know why he put them there, but like, obviously, he thought that that's a good place to store them for the test and he'll find them from there. So I don't know what happened, but you know, just when he just realized that microwave, and <laughs> Jesus Christ, where did that came from? Well, maybe he liked anyway. to warm them before he put them on or something. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But really like odd, silly things. But, you know, he's a fantastic guy anyway. Really happy that he has the position now where he is. I think he, he's he been, even even though in the beginning he was a bit like he, he might miss driving and he wasn't ready to to finish. But I think now he's okay with everything, how, how life is. And, and uh, he's happy with the position he has. So it's good but, to see. Yeah, it is good to see. And And what about you and how life is at the moment? Because you sound... You sound very content with with where you're at and and what you're doing right now. As I said, you you kind of you pop up on on various events. You're still keeping your hand in in 
in terms of you know competition are you still fixing old american cars back home because i know that was a big thing for you yeah still fixing them uh a little bit i not don't have so much time for that really the the hobbies of my boys are taking most of my time like a younger younger boy casper he's really active in ice hockey and he has a lot of training and a lot of games all the time and and uh Robert, my older son, he uh, he wanted to try this autocross, so he's now driving autocross, and we have races quite often. And I'm preparing the cars for him. So actually, after this phone call, I'm gonna head back to the workshop and start preparing the car for him for the next weekend. Oh, is so he the next? Are... Is he the next Havenen to head our way? Well, we are not thinking it like that at all. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's really early ages and, and uh, he hasn't been driving that long yet at all so it's it's good time kind of a father and sometime in in work in races and, and we are just fooling and, and messing around with the uh, other cross cars so. so you you have put a separate piggy bank aside though that you're putting money into in readiness because we all know <laughs> it's expensive yeah. right <laughs> you're put, putting well, a couple of euros in it every every few days <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not that bad on this level. So we, we are still managing quite okay. Okay, so, well that that's good. And, and there's no there's really at the moment that there's no plans to to take it so seriously or making it any any further. So you know we will see how life goes. Well, life sounds very good there in Finland for you, and I I'm delighted for you because you've had a, an incredible career. I've loved reporting on it. I've loved interviewing you along the way, and I'm still glad that we can see each other at events and and chat and have a bit of a laugh because that's the way life should be. Um, yeah, definitely. And we'll see you next week at Rally Finland. Yes, you'll be in in full flow there doing some media fantastic work. I'm sure behind the microphone. Yeah, I, I will be uh, working for Wiley broadcasting the stages and commenting. So uh, I'm following your footsteps now. I'm learning from the best of how to talk <laughs> about rally. <laughs> right. Well, you know, any tips, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep your phone open. I might be calling you quite often. <laughs> Miko, it's, it's a real delight to speak to you. And thank you for sharing, you know, your story over the years, which has, has been brilliant. And I, as with everyone I speak to, we literally could talk for hours over the things that you've done, but we've all got stuff to do in life, so we, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> but there are so many tales um, that we, we haven't told today, but thank you very much for sharing it all with me, and I'll see you next week in Finland. Very good, thank you, and I'm also happy to see you next week. And, and uh, Yeah, we carry on. Let's enjoy life as it is and have a good time. For more great World Rally Championship content, head to WRC Plus with its thousands of hours of archive footage and exclusive live programming, event review shows and extensive onboards. Special features too on some of the legends of the sport. This is all available at wrcplus.com, the digital online home of the World Rally Championship.